Hi, and welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney, and I'm super passionate about moving and thinking. On this show, we are going to dive into all things health, fitness, personal development, lifestyle, and political sociocultural. I've always been fascinated by people and I love learning from the experiences and stories of others. This has been a treat for me and I hope this is enjoyable and useful for you. As always, if you have any questions, comments, or any way that I can make this a better experience for you, please don't hesitate to reach out. Welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. I am here for day two of the Reawaken America Tour, and I am here with these two awesome guys, Jay Dyer. No, this is Jason Burmuth, and they, they've done shows together, and I don't, this is the first time they're meeting in person, which is pretty cool. So how are you enjoying this? I love it. I'm, I'm getting a text from my girlfriend right now. I'm sorry, guys, but she's also a reporter. Uh, this has been amazing. Other than, you know, sitting down and talking to people like yourself, getting to meet Ryan Christian in person for the first time, now Jay Dyer, um, and then even Peter McCullough, you know, and a very down-to-earth guy. Uh, it's just one of those things where, again, I'm not trying to preach to the choir. I'm trying to reach as many people as possible. There's two to 3,000 people in that tent outside, many of whom have no idea who I am, no idea about the information I'm going to present about transhumanism, Elon Musk, the military-industrial complex, and I think it's important that we don't stay in eco-chambers, so I'm extremely excited. Yeah, so I know you just got here. Do you have any impressions? Have you, do you have any impressions of the tour itself? Uh, you mean, do you want me to do impressions? You want me to well, do my Roger Stone? I'm yeah, just yeah, I, I'm sure. No, I'm mean, joking. <laughs> um, it's a lot bigger than I thought, so I just literally got off the plane to get here so um i wasn't expecting like thousands of people i thought it would be like a, a auditorium you know nope. yeah sorry but sorry for the lack of no it's on a, that. i mean it's just wild to see this many people in uh you know obviously a lot of evangelicals so i'm happy to see like jason said the stuff that we talk about getting into the evangelical crowd so yeah. absolutely Awesome. Well, something we, we were talking about, and we won't necessarily go too far into the weeds on it, but I think it, it's relevant to this is that we were talking about the whole Daily Wire and uh, Stephen Crowder kind of saga that's going on right now. But one of the conversations that you know came up out of that is how people tend to like to, or human beings are tribal, you know, so they, they get kind of put into boxes and they like to put their labels. And as a result of that, information gets captured in that. And I think that what's very interesting about this event in particular, we had talked about this a little bit before that, uh, before on the other show, was that I think people have an idea of what they're going to come up into. And what they're seeing is that people are so excited to have open discourse that instead of boxing everybody, people are really having open conversations. But I'm curious what your thoughts are on how technology, since both of you are really versed in the technocracy, what the elite goals are and how they want to use that to control people. And what came up when we were talking about the Crowder versus Daily Wire is how there really is a big con kind of serving big tech. And unfortunately, that ends up controlling narratives in general. So I'm glad that that conversation is coming to the forefront, regardless of what happens with those two personalities. So, I don't know. Can you well, tell well, me what Let's you're, talk yeah. about just Daily Wire yeah. in general. I don't think that most people would think that Daily Wire has $50 million on hand, mm-hmm. right? Like, I don't think they understand how big sites like that have financing, right? Like, like I, I would assume most people think that someone like a Ben Shapiro, yeah, he's a millionaire, but can he pay somebody else $50 million? Can Breitbart do that? Can Gateway Pundit do that? Um, and those are probably the three biggest, quote-unquote, alternative conservative sites out there. And, and another thing that, that is interesting to me, right, is you were talking about personalities before yeah. and how they're elevated over information. Yeah. You look at the Twitter files, and we, we don't have a big dump yet. We don't have any anything but, you know, basically chosen arbiters of truth going through these. Well, what are the names that we've heard? Dan Bongino, got a show on Fox, definitely a big contract. Charlie Kirk has that Turning Point USA money, right? So immediately you have certain personalities that are at least able to be discussed and have funding behind them, right? And I think that the overall point Crowder's trying to make is not so much his money, but hey, what happens to the guy who has 100,000 or 500,000 subscribers that goes to the blaze, 
another big alternative conservative site, yep. or goes to the Daily Wire, and then all of a sudden is beholden to the same rules that social media is, because if you don't abide by those yep. rules, you are then penalized by either, in this case, the Daily Wire, but Crowder saying that that is uh, the rule, not the exception, basically, right. these contracts. Exactly. I've never signed a contract like that. Like, one of the reasons that Red Voice Media has been an amazing fit for me is that my discussions with Ray Dietrich, who owns Red Voice Media, are, do what you want, Jason, we trust you. Like, literally, we like your style. We, you may not, we may not agree with you all the time, but we're glad you're out there, okay? And I think if we actually got a WikiLeaks-style dump, we would see a lot more voices that maybe haven't been elevated to that level. Totally. And, you know, you were talking about personalities and how people can't separate the information from the personality. It's actually a discussion that I had with my brother. who He's one of, you know, my, my closest confidants, probably my best friend. And we were talking about Tucker Carlson because Tucker Carlson has probably presented more truth in a mainstream fashion at least in the last several years than anybody else out there you know and he goes jason you know the reason they let tucker do that is because he does it in such a smug condescending way he's cracking jokes so at one level you're feeding to your audience right and you're kind of making a jo joke about it but all those people are on board but then on the other level the people that would never watch tucker carlson maybe get 30 60 90 seconds of a segment and they're like who is this pompous ass and so Immediately, they discredit anything he's saying, and they're able to look at him as an adversary, almost the enemy. So, so they're they're framing it in a manner. And I don't know that that's the case. That may be Tucker's personality. I've been following the Tuck since MSNBC bow tie days, and he's always had that kind of like waspy trust fund kid smugness about him. There's no doubt about it. Um, but but even myself, you know, I, I have issues with some of the things Tucker Carlson says, like he frames Antifa as terrorists. I don't think those people are terrorists. Okay. I don't think that somebody that defaces a statue is a domestic terrorist. And I think that even when you get into that language of taking criminal behavior that you can already bring somebody up on charges and put them in jail if they've done something and then taking away their due process and labeling them an enemy of the state is not the answer. So I think Tucker sneaks some things in there that aren't so great. I honestly think that he's being genuine. I may be being naive and a dupe because of that. But again, I think it's the personalities. And in like, for instance, Alex Jones was right, hashtag, there's gonna be people that gravitate towards that. And then there's gonna be people that just see Alex Jones's name and that's it. There's no way that could be true, period. And, and a lot of his guests that he has on within the medical or political field, especially in the last few years, were like, you know, Jones, a year ago, I thought you were crazy. <laughs> I wouldn't have listened yeah. to it. And it literally wasn't Alex Jones that brought them to Alex Jones. Yeah. It was somebody that was reporting information that was the same as Alex Jones. And then they find out that Alex Jones was saying that. And then he has a large platform and he comes over. Uh, that's my long-winded take. Mr. Dyer? Yeah. I want to add really quickly is your whole yeah. thing about Tucker. I, my, my tagline about Tucker is, he's always late to the party, but we're glad he comes. <laughs> That's kind of how I feel about Tucker. He doesn't really break news. It's like stuff that alternative media has been talking about for a really long time. And then he's like, comes out with it. But he's the first mainstream guy to, to talk about it. But yeah, so I'm like, he's late to the party, but we're glad he comes. <laughs> yeah, I think that he's uh, reaching boomers that could never be reached. And that's why it's slow. It's like it's like it's like information in slow motion. But everything that's in the alternative media, it's it's on Fox News months later. Um, so it's good that he's doing that. And um, uh, looking forward to actually, we're going to do a Tucker special uh, in the next few weeks, focusing on World Economic Forum and eat the bugs. So there, it's gradually getting into more of the you know hardcore stuff. We'll be able to talk about transhumanism a little bit in that as well. So um, that's good, but I also think that a lot of that is going away. That's the legacy system. Yeah. And the, I've, I've just been realizing that legacy stuff everywhere is going away. Like legacy media is turning into what we do. Um, legacy education is turning into what me and Richard Grove are, you know, trying to push over at Trajan Hope and uh, Grand Theft World and Autonomy University, which is to uh, have better education than what the state system offers, right? And if you can do that on your own, then people are going to gravitate to that because not it's not just facts versus personality. What if you're a personality who has the facts, right? I mean, it's human nature, as you were saying, to be drawn to you know charismatic individuals, funny people, fun people. So if you if you can combine that with you know hardcore information, that's the best recipe in my view. So uh, you know I think that. If I was to comment on that 
Crowder, uh, Facts and Logic, Facts and Logic, Ben Shapiro (laughs) thing, I would say that uh, the answer is, in my view, I would say do your own thing. Like, don't, I would avoid any of these kind of big, you know, big media things or things trying to become big media things. Like, do your own thing because, uh, like Alex was saying, like, he has enough of an audience and a potential. He could just create his own thing. Yeah. Like, why do you need... That's what yeah. I was saying. I, I said before we started recording, I was like, if if Crowder were to go on his own yeah. and to really stand on principle, he could change the, he could pave the way for a whole different face. Well, I mean, Al, didn't Alex already? Alex already paved the way oh, in a way Al, for that Alex because paved, he just no. sold his own stuff. He yes, sold, yeah, like, but so, he could. Yes. yes. Listen, I'd say so, Alex so Jones is a pioneer on another another yes. level. You know, I'm a big or was a big Howard Stern guy. So Howard Stern. His kids went to camp with me. Oh, did that's yeah. funny. Um, always talked about his daughters on the show. That's how I know he has girls. Yeah, he was he, he was very involved. He came to like Father's Day, Parents Weekend all the time. Yeah, I, I believe that. And, yeah. and one of the things that he often talked about was how people would waste their time on public access. Yeah. Right? He's like, oh, these guys got public access shows, and you goof on them, and they do call-ins and things like that. <laughs> That's how I Alex have, started. Exactly. I have never seen somebody come up from public access the way that Alex Jones did. He did it right. And <laughs> revolutionize what it meant to be a talk show. Yeah. So, you know, prior to Alex Jones and what InfoWars did yeah. and this kind of viewpoint in, all you really did have for radio TV was Howard Stern. And then yeah. MSNBC actually tried to mimic that with Don Imus. It didn't work. Yeah. They tried to mimic it with Bob and Tom. It didn't work. Mm-hmm. The only people I've really seen at work at, at least in the beginning, were Alex Jones and Howard Stern. And I yeah. think that Alex Jones, in, in many ways, eclipsed what Howard Stern did because Howard Stern was goofing on people and had a whack pack, and that man on the street didn't matter. Alex Jones sent real journalists, real places to ask real questions and put together real documentaries. And love them or hate them, whether you like it or not, so many people followed that Alex yeah. Jones model, model of yeah. radio's not enough, public access isn't enough, print's not enough, web's not enough, radio's not enough. We need to bring a visual aspect to it. So he's a pioneer on, on multiple levels. And it just goes to show that you can utilize existing technology, however primitive or laughed at or unutilized, and you can take charge and utilize it as an individual to you know, elevate yourself without others controlling your work. That's what's important. You know, I'm on YouTube somehow still. I mean, I fought tooth and nail to stay there, but I'm on Rumble, Rockfin, Twitter, Bandot Video, right. um, Odyssey is another one. And I probably named five I'm on Getter. I'm on, you know, all of these different things. Sure. And you can find the time in a day. You know, I, I, I didn't always do this as, you know, my full-time gig. Yeah. And you just got to you gotta decide, do you really care about this? Is this about the information or you? And if it's about the information and you really care about it, all of a sudden you have to look at you and decide how much time you're really going to devote to get that information out. And then we're all a little different, right? Like, you know, I, I think that uh, my show visually is better than my radio show. Mm-hmm. Doesn't necessarily mean I'm a terrible talker, but... I like the ability to bring up a document, read directly from that document, have it up on the screen, and have you look at it. I like the ability so you can see the look on Benjamin Netanyahu's face when he's telling you, we have a 98% genetic database, and now we want to put on top of that DNA. (laughs) You know, you want to see their expression. So, again, I think it's up to the individual. If you're in this to elevate yourself uh, financially or socially or be some kind of a superstar I could do without you. And I, I would say, honestly, the only people that are, are doing that and grift their way to the top are the ones that want you to sign a contract <laughs> where you're beholden to big tech. And, and those that have really done it grassroots, bootstraps up, are like, wait a minute, I, I, I don't want any part of that. Yeah. This was that point that Jamie Kennedy was making in that interview where he was like, dude, it's the same in Hollywood. Yes. He said, if you want to know what Hollywood wants, they want to know how you have an audience. <laughs> like, yeah. what? Are, how are you getting an audience? Exactly. We want to mock that, mimic that. But they put forth, you know, these really synthetic types of things. We have a friend who does the videography for uh, a big A-list person. And he was putting together a bunch of uh, uh, reels and and things like that for social media when social media was first starting to pop off in 2012, 13, right? Right. Um, And the A-listers were like, 
uh, we want you to produce like these really high produced, high production value, you know, reels and things for Instagram and all this stuff. And it, it didn't work because people wanted the authentic thing now. And especially if like, Jane, I don't go on TikTok, but Jamie's on TikTok. And she gets this uh, like inroad to how the Zoomers think. And they don't like Hollywood. Like they hate Hollywood. They yet, hate the mainstream media. And I mean, it's, I mean, I don't, I'm not for TikTok, but right, right. what the thing is that they actually want people that are authentic. Right. So that's a big shift in the way it was. Like when I was in high school, it was like everybody, I mean, I was in a movie, you know, buff crowd. Right, we wanted to be right. in movies. We thought that was the coolest thing. Oh, right. Hollywood's so cool. And it's not that way anymore. Like the younger yeah. kids are like, no, this is garbage and they're fake and they're degenerates and they're pedos. Totally. Yeah. I. We were discussing that yesterday. Yeah, so, it's so, it's, so like all of the legacy areas are like going away. They're it's a huge shift. Which right. is so great. Um, I, I want to ask you about that. But before I do, I, I think what I was saying is that, yes, I would agree with you. Alex Jones definitely pioneered the way in, for media in general and for, as you said, so many things. But I think that what a lot of people, especially because they put people into camps, right? They they pit the the... the conservatives against liberals and the, all the different media factions. And a lot of people, I think, on the right are not aware of how beholden to big tech even the right is, you know, which of course they are. I mean, they play all sides, you know, they play, right? So I think that the way that this, it could change the face of the future of media is for people to start realizing that these contracts are going on and that, you know, there is the alternative media, there's the authentic people who are really you know, out on their own. And then there are the people who, when they're being controlled by big tech under the umbrella of these big, you know, big con, for lack of a better word, or whatever uh, big news organizations or just big companies, it, they're not only being controlled by the company, you know, they're being controlled by the, the tech that's controlling the company. So now you have the advertisers controlling narrative, you have these companies who have their own agenda controlling narrative, and you have these social media organizations. So it's just, I think that it's a little bit more interwoven than a lot of people realize. And I, I like that this is coming to the surface just because I want people to see that. And I want them to see that nobody escapes this. It's not like there's, you know, one narrative that's totally impervious from this kind of control grid uh, that's coming forth. So. There's a giant weird skull that I keep no, like, I'm like, what the heck is that? No, the elongated skull and the other thing totally caught my attention, but that, I spent some time with like, William Henry and, he, and whatever. I want to get William back Henry, to, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's from Nashville. Yeah, no, well, that's where I met him, was here. Okay. Uh, it was actually uh, when I was going to Bonnaroo with the Loose Change guys, oh, yeah? right before we put out the final cut. So I, I sat down with William Henry for a couple hours, and this is before he was even like, you know, Ancient Aliens wasn't a thing. They only had the documentary or whatever. Getting back to what you were talking about, Courtney, <laughs> yeah, yeah. as we interrupted because we were looking at an elongated yeah. skull across the way. You know, you were talking about um, media narratives being pushed by certain organizations and the right wing kind of being like, hey, they don't understand that maybe the left wing was telling the truth during the Bush administration. Right. So, I, you know, as we talked about Tucker Carlson, I always say, you know, the antithesis of Tucker Carlson, or maybe the same thing on the other side, was Keith Olbermann. You know, when Keith Olbermann was on MSNBC during the Bush administration, he was one of the few anti-war guys telling the truth. He was one of the few guys that was talking about um, the surveillance state. He's the only person, other than PBS, that talked about Hepting versus AT&T and Norris Insight Systems and the fact that all the telecom community... Uh, had secret server rooms where everything was being siphoned off to the NSA. NSA yeah. right. All of it. Right. That's what I'm trying to... I, I've been preaching about this for a very long time, folks. It's in my film Invisible Empire from 2010 before Snowden came out. And even Snowden on Joe Rogan, if you go watch that podcast, yeah. has to acknowledge in the very beginning, he's like, well, no one really knew that the government was spying on... Well, maybe a few people, but... <laughs> and it's like a few people. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm a little guy, but that movie, Invisible Empire, got 10 million plus views. You know, some people were aware of it. Again, media narrative is we found out from yep. Snowden. That's troublesome. You know yeah. what I mean? I, I think that, unfortunately, because they've created such a team baseball society, yes. I need to belong to this team. Exactly. I'm team red. I'm team blue. That they've set up a system where they know they're going to get a certain amount of cognitive dissonance right. no matter how real and how true something's being reported on 
simply from the source. And that kind of gravitates to the very beginning of this conversation. I hope we can break that cycle. I think in some ways, Trump did start to break that cycle. And that's why so badly they had to get rid of him and demonize everything about him. And then really take charge because it was through that that big tech finally not only became in in the picture of censorship, but it was widely accepted that they could censor, right? Right. And, and all of a sudden, you're able to gaslight a population and tell everybody that Joe Biden is the 81 million vote man and the most popular president of all time. And if you deny that, you are an election denier, you are a white nationalist, and you love a, you would love to see a hybrid clone of Poot Poot and Hitler together <laughs> so they, they could rule over you. Like, that's what you must believe if you question these things, Jay. <laughs> well, remember in uh, G.I. Joe, when they created, uh, after Cobra Commander, there was like the... The, the second Cobra? Yeah, the, yeah, and he was he was a combination of all the dictators of the past, their genetics, like into one guy. It was like Kubla Khan and like, I don't know, anyway. Um, yeah, I mean, so... Obviously, it's all all this stuff is controlled by money, so yeah. there's always a danger in big entities uh, yeah. buying people off. Um, somebody was saying that Candace Owens did it right because supposedly she negotiated her contract so that she could keep her media and her stuff, but she had to have lawyers present, like telling them that you don't have my Twitter because supposedly they'll put into the contracts like if you yeah. join up with us, we own your Twitter. Yes, but that's bizarre. Didn't Jeremy right? say in this uh, rebuttal that he has control over parts of hers? So he, all right. So actually, in the Ben Shapiro rebuttal, okay, that, I didn't see they, that, uh, yeah. which just I listened to it yesterday. Okay. Um, the two names that he used uh, were Candace Owens and then Matt Walsh because okay. of uh, the two movies that they had done. Right now. Oh, what right, I've seen of the, yeah, yeah. Deal. Well, he was just talking about the fact well, that that's they part point, of the deal. They own their movies. Exactly. Yeah. Well, just that they had to pour in money to produce those films, that they're not free. Um, you know, again, I have no idea how much money Steven Crowder was making or Candace Owens before they made deals. Like, for instance, Crowder with The Blaze. I don't know how well he was doing. But how much is enough, right? Like, that's the other thing that we have to look at. Like, how much is enough? Like, for me, is money still tempting? Yeah. I'm a human being. I want a nice house. I'd like a better car. You know, I, I'd like to uh, know that if I had a medical emergency, I could pay for all of it and not have to uh, have to deal with it. My teeth. I've been recently getting work done on that. It's cost me thousands of dollars. And, and even with insurance, folks, the, the total bill, if I do everything I want, we're talking 80 plus grand. <laughs> so wow. you're exactly. Are you getting a grill? <laughs> no, not even. I mean, uh, to be honest with you, you know, a couple of implants, I have periodontal disease and too much information. So there may be, have to be multiple pullings and we're talking about full sets. Um, you know, one tooth is somewhere between three and five grand each. Wow. So, uh, you know, just, uh, I just got this front one done. I actually got to get a permanent put on it. Three to $5,000, folks, out of my pocket. Oh my you know, you, and if, even if you have insurance, uh, the most you, I think the best dental insurance, you can get like a $2,500 off copay that you end up paying over $1,000 a year for. So the best you can save is like $1,400. Um, I know, it's crazy. That much, dude, you should just get a gold grill. And again, I'm not Mr. Gold. My, my grandfather was from that era. He had a bunch of gold teeth really? in the back. Yeah, World War II guy, you know? Um, my point being, on the money, is it's always going to be there, right? Like, like, even Jones talks about the fact, that, hey, I could still sell out tomorrow, and they'd let me. You know, they'd let me. But again, ask yourself, how much is enough? And, and like, I'm a, I'm a big purveyor that, number one, you can't take it with you, but the real things that matter in life, the ones that we hold on the most to, it's not the vintage comic book that I have. It's not my video game collection. It's not my Funko Pops. <laughs> you know? It, it's none of those things. It, you know, it's not the nice car. It's not the gold necklace. It's the human relationships I built. You know, it, it's the times that I have with the people I enjoy and the people that I love. And hopefully, it's the family that I will build. Right. And, you know, put that on other people. Because, look, material things can bring momentary joy and happiness but overall what are you thinking about are you thinking about the car and the house are you thinking about the girl that got away are you thinking about your son or your daughter or your grandfather your aunt or your uncle and i feel like especially when you get into media personalities and money 
that ends up isolating you yeah. more and more from those experiences, whether you realize it or not. If that's you haven't said much. Yeah. <laughs> you haven't said much. What do I have to say yeah. about that? Uh, no, I mean, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, definitely when you're talking about how much is enough, I think there's an element of greed that gets, you know, yeah, that's just... Well, I would imagine if you like if, if these people are positioning themselves to be the future of media, right? I mean, yeah. it, obviously, it takes a lot of money to run these kinds of operations. Yes. I know, you know, Alex pays tons in bandwidth. So, um, the point is that this, whether it's Daily Wire or any of these people, everybody sees that the legacy stuff's going away, including uh, Boomer News. So it's all going to what we do. Right. So now it's like everybody's trying to position themselves to be the future of media, right? Right. So. Um, how, how do we? I think that yeah, like Jason said, the the more that we stay true to what's legit and not, I mean, it, it's kind of obvious I think to people when you sell out, like if you're, yeah, because your your message starts to turn, like it changes, it morphs into just normy stuff. Yeah. And if you do that, I think we're at we're, we're at a tipping point where it's like that's going to be less and less acceptable. People are going to be able to pick that out because like real stuff is starting to come out now. I mean, like real information. It's not, I mean. Yeah, it's Tucker's talking about stuff that we knew about 10 years ago. But, right. I mean, they're talking about the CIA assassinating Kennedy on yeah. Fox News. I mean, that's... They're being it's forced only to, 60 years later, but... But they're being forced to talk about stuff that yeah. is, you know, that's boomer level. Like, my, my parents are, like, now at the point where they're like, I kind of think the government didn't tell us the truth about JFK. You know, it's like, <laughs> you mean like we were telling you for 20 years right. those conspiracy theorists? And so I'm like, maybe other events, like the Big Nine event, right. maybe they didn't tell us the truth about that one too, right? And that's a big problem with Tucker, by the way. He still hangs on to the oh, official version totally of 9-11. Totally hangs on to it. Well, there's a lot of mainstream narratives he still hangs on yeah, to. Yeah, sure. But, but the 9-11 um, one, I think, is the most egregious. Um, every once in a while, he might throw a little hint, but yeah. he did... Throw loose change under the bus about six to nine months ago. They put, well, yeah, basically said, hey, you know what? We've got censorship on all this stuff at YouTube. Those videos are being taken down. You know what's still up? Loose change is still up. <laughs> oh. He did that segment. But you know what? Thank you, Tucker. We got a big boost. <laughs> a, lot of people, a lot of people within that week checked out Went the documentary. And the other reason I would say it's egregious on his part is because um, it's got to be over a decade ago, but Alex Jones they had him a, at Texas, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and he showed him part of my film, Fabled Enemies, at the yeah. end. He showed him the Barry Jennings uh, interview and the Building 7 information, and if you can look, the 47-story skyscraper imploding on itself after I interview somebody who was in the building with Michael Hess, the right-hand man of Rudy Giuliani, talking about explosions in the building, talking about walking over dead bodies in the building. Yeah. And you still don't understand that we were lied to about 9-11 and essentially we have a government operation. I don't know what to tell you. Come on, Tuck. Get with it. Tucking it up. Well, I, I think you know, you're talking about you said, <laughs> you're talking about the boomers and how they're starting to you know because Tucker broke the story. Well, about Ma the Ma MAGA helped yeah. boomers kind of become conspiracy adjacent. They're not there yet. No, they're not they're like, there yet. But they're <laughs> they're, like, they're, they're, they're hobbling along like the like I was at a casino last night. And I was like the you know boomers pulling the oxygen tanks to go to the slot machines. So. Oh, hilarious. Yeah, exactly. So they're like, they're so, shuffling along to get to the end, but they're getting there. They're, they're, they're coming slowly, but I feel like that's part of why Tucker hasn't, uh, you know, come along with that because a lot of his audience is the boomer audience. And so, well, he, yeah, I think they're cognizant of that. So yeah. we, we were talking to his producer the other day, and that's what he was saying is that, you know, you got to kind of walk people walk, slowly. Exactly. Yeah. Do the slow walk, which I think, you know, that's the whole thing, though, is there was obviously, I agree with you, these big, it requires a lot of money. Like you were saying, Alex Jones, to just the bandwidth alone is insanely expensive. Yeah. Um, and to, you know, the production, to, to hire all the people. So I well, get Well, yeah, if you've got like, you know, I mean, these operations have, you know, 10, 20, 40, 50 people yeah. or more. So you're so, paying their salaries as well. Totally. But I think the problem is that a lot of people don't realize that the narratives get shifted as a result. And so that's what I'm really hoping. You mean when you sign a contract or what? What do you mean? I'm talking about the audience, the people watching. So like one of the things about, we'll just take Tucker for an example. So now because Tucker has broke this story about the CIA and JFK's assassination, now you do have people like some of the boomer audience or some of the very kind of establishment type audience member. Oh, wait, 
maybe the government lied to us about JFK, but it's because it came from the mainstream media. And what I'm saying is a lot of those types of people don't understand that the money trails behind it at control a lot of those narratives. So they think, oh, well, it's now credible because I heard it on Tucker. Mm -hmm. But meanwhile, other people have been talking about it for literally 60 years. You know, I think there's still a certain air to any mainstream media, whether it's Fox News, MSNBC, CNN. See, it was here. It was in the New York Times. No, it was in Newsweek. And look, that's not to say every journalist is controlled at every outlet or that, you know, a Newsweek that does put out, you know, a lot of establishment narrative type stuff can't do amazing work. You know, the work that they did on signature reduction that was literally never expanded upon by any other major uh, media outlet remains one of the most important stories to this day over the past few years, Mm -hmm. right? And I show that to people, and it's extensive, and it says Newsweek on it. It wasn't written by The Last American Vagabond. It's not over at Infowars.com or Jay's Analysis or The Conscious Resistance. To the majority of people, it's almost brand recognition, right? Right. That's a magazine I've held in my hand. Right. That's something I can look at, and all of a sudden, it's almost undeniable. Sure. So... I think, you know, when we're talking about the money and the narratives, it goes beyond that. Why? Because so many people within the media now, and especially social media, are either former or current intelligence assets in one way or another. So now you're not just talking about, hey, money's driving this. But literally, intel organizations that have unlimited funds. Remember those black budgets, folks. They do what they want. They push the narrative. Totally. So, you know, in, in that sense, sure, money money is still king. Yeah. But is it really money or is it the intel predator class narratives that are then driven by operatives and money? And the operatives are a huge part of that. Yeah, I just yeah. did a, reviewed that whole 20, uh, as far as 2025, 20, 2028 document yeah. the other day for Alex's thing. And I went re reread all 70 whatever pages of it. And there's a specific section in there. I didn't notice the last go around when we first you know noticed that document a couple of years ago. There is a, a specific section of the document that says that when the uh, SPARS, not SARS, but SPARS yeah. pandemic is loose, this document was written in 2017, says there's a key component will be that big tech will have to work with government to control the narrative as it comes out yeah. so that the narrative in social media doesn't give credence to, and they use the term conspiracy theories in the document. So absolutely. And all of what Jason said has totally come out, even though we haven't actually seen the documents in terms of the Twitter files, it has come out in the sense that that's what, what the, the, the scandemic was about, right. was about the, in my view, part of it was a lot of things. But one of those was, experimenting with controlling and steering narratives in real time as they come yes. out in this exercise, which is what I think that yeah. was. You know, another part of that document. And they use the intelligent people. Intelligent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, one of the big things you talked about, social media control, right? Yeah. yeah. And specifically in that document, they talk about a viral video of a yep. kid with a backpack <laughs> that basically has an adverse reaction mm-hmm. to the shots and then managing that video in a sense where it might not be misinformation or disinformation, right. but it toes along the line of that malinformation yeah. that could be harmful to the narrative and that also needs to be censored. You know, you could also fast forward to the event 201 exercise. Right. Mm-hmm. And what is a huge part of that? It is social media and media narrative control. Right. And we saw that accelerate uh, on a massive level during the COVID-1984 nightmare. Right. Yeah. And I think, uh, so, uh, you know, just to bring back to that conversation, I think that what is good about this is I think people think of entities like Daily Wire as being very independent, you know, and that's, I think, part of the appeal is that they are outside of the quote-unquote legacy media. But the problem is, I think there's an argument to be made that they are actually now just part of the legacy media, just a slightly different arm of it, only now they're not being controlled by, you know, the Operation Mockingbird-type uh, Intelligent, they're being controlled by the the social media tech arm. Well, I mean, right? let's, let's be honest about it, okay? Mm-hmm. The, the big alternative, quote-unquote, conservative sites did not do the right thing via COVID nor the hate and lie shot, period. They were way behind the curve. And look, I think the Gateway Pundit does some great stuff. They didn't touch 
the adverse re reactions. They didn't touch the Defense Department connections in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Breitbart, you're not allowed to talk about that. Yeah. How yeah. many people within those uh, organizations, even Tucker Carlson, said, hey, I got mine. I took my shot. Okay. I'm, I'm pro shot. Even somebody like Michael Flynn, who's you know a big part of this event, will say, what happens when you ask me whether or not I took the shot? It's none of your damn business. Well, I was on... Uh, Allison McDowell's show, and Allison mm -hmm. McDowell, uh, you know, she's uh, not Allison McDowell. I'm sorry, I'm, 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 I'm killing the, the last name, but she's over it, on Allison Rockfin. Morrow? Allison Morrow. 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 I don't. I'm sorry, Allison. You're the best. <laughs> I love you. But I was, uh, I was on with Allison right as the shots started to get rolled out for everybody. So we're talking about February, March, yeah. the year after, and I was on that you know, trying to warn people where it was coming from, that it wasn't a traditional vaccine that was either mRNA-based or it was vector-based that was right. driven by the Defense Department, that DARPA right. partnered with Moderna, et cetera. Yep. And she came back with, well, you know, maybe if you have some pre-existing conditions or you're elderly, maybe you should. And I stopped her. I said, Allison, I want to make it abundantly clear. There is absolutely no human being on the planet that should inject themselves with this thing ever under any circumstance, and anyone telling you different is wrong. Right. And that's not because I'm fucking brilliant. <laughs> All right? Or a doctor. It was obvious. Yeah. It was obvious. You do not believe known liars. I'm not an abused girlfriend seeking to stay in a terrible relationship. Right. I want to be t treated like an adult. And these right. people constantly treat us like children that still believe in Santa Claus, and they have to be listened to. They're the authoritative source. Well, I got news. You're not my mammy. You're not my daddy. You're not my pappy. And I decide for me. I'm a free human being. And look, all those outlets push the shot. All of them. Every yeah. single goddamn one of them. As so as you every know, governor and every politician. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I would, uh, I would say too, uh, during the pandemic, when the scamdemic, when it was in full heat, uh, we had a friend who had a friend that worked at the Department of Defense, and they were told, the high-level officials and people with security clearances, they were told, do not get the Moderna vaccine because of what's in it. So the people in the government right. working at the Department of Defense were told not to get the vaccine that they were telling everyone else to get. And how, how so, convenient is it that Moderna has zero products, partners <laughs> with the Defense Department all the way back in 2013, where it is in mRNA drug, not a vaccine that's completely mm -hmm. different, $25 million grant to fight pandemics, both zoological, natural, and biological weapons, still on Moderna's page today. They end up putting that thing out after they patent a cancer drug, by the way, in 2016 that has a 12-sequence DNA nucleotide identical to the virus. Yep. Nothing to see there. Nope. But their next <laughs> product, they don't have any other products other than the hate and lie shot. You know what product they got next? They got a nice little product, mRNA style, to inject in your heart yes. after you had a stroke. Yep. So, you know, you can't even talk about the most obvious of the adverse effects of many of these shots being heart-related. And right. these people can then produce another drug, which they say works, to solve that issue. It's safe and effective, I'm sure. It's Bernaysian language and tools. Well, somebody found a, uh, dug up a 2016 or 17, I'm looking for it on my feed here, okay. uh, World Economic Forum clip of a that woman giving a lecture about mRNA vaccines. Have you seen that? Wait, which one? What was she saying? That it changed your genetics. Oh, yeah. And they're like, yeah. oh, this is safe and effective. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't change. So when it was rolling out, they were like, this doesn't change your genetics. Mm -hmm. And then you go back uh, two years before they rolled mm -hmm. it out. They're like, and this will change, change your genetics. genetics. Yeah. And I mean, but all of them say that, that 2020 is the year where, you know, yeah. surveillance goes under the skin and you hear Klaus saying, you know, it doesn't change uh, uh, things, you know, it changes you. We'll change you, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, we, we're part of the fourth industrial revolution right now, whether we like it or not. We're yeah. living through it. And uh, that was a big part of it. And I, I said that to people. I said, look, whether you like it or not, we're the mRNA shots and the vector-based shots are, in fact, CRISPR tech, which is gene editing tech. And this is the road to transhumanism because they're going to come back at you two, three, four years after you took the shot and say, hey, your genetics have already been altered. Why not take more? And the offspring. That's the, the offspring. amazing part is that it's not just you. This is actually 2015 is earlier than wow. I thought. So discuss the ability to, of mRNA medical procedure to permanently change the genetics of the subject and their offspring. 2015 World Economic Forum lecture. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. So you were saying how you think we're seeing the 
downfall of a lot of the legacy everything. Hollywood, education, yeah. media. Yeah. Okay. So banking, economics, yeah. in terms of crypto. I mean, there's a danger with crypto, obviously, but I think there's good things too. So, oh, definitely, I would agree with that. So it's like we're at a we're at a point where are we going to choose like now that the legacy stuff's going away, are we going to choose like the worst versions of the new the, stuff, that's, yeah, or that's, are we going to choose like liberty? Question. Yeah, because the other World Economic Forum guy, what did he just say? Uh, we have the ability now that we're going to roll out to track everything you eat, which oh, that was a conspiracy theory a year ago. Right now, the World Economic Forum says says it from the podium. Oh, we're about to roll this out next. It's uh, tracking uh, all of your calories. So food rationing, basically. Do you know, oh my gosh. So I, this was a few years ago. I think it was actually in 2020. They had this uh, product that was coming out and it was going to be where it could track without, like in, without you logging in. Like instead mm -hmm. of like a MyFitnessPal type thing, it would track everything you well, ingested. Well, there's a, a, a Lumi DARPA run under the skin. Basically, it's a biochip that okay. your body does not reject, okay. and then you place something over it, yeah. and then in real time, it wirelessly transmits things like your heart rate, your oxygen yes. levels, um, really a lot of your internal systems, and this is the Defense Department run, uh -huh. and this is this is something that's already, it's not science fiction, it's already right, being it's already utilized. Yeah. Well, so that makes sense that it was already a DARPA product, but they were trying to make it like a mainstream sale, you know, thing that you could, like buying an Aura Ring or yeah. buying an Apple Watch. And I immediately had that thought, I didn't know that DARPA had the product, but I immediately had the thought, okay, they're just using this to track. You, you know, got about, it's still only like a few seconds, can I play this guy? Yeah, please. Check yourself. To measure their own carbon footprint. What does that mean? That's where are they traveling? How are they traveling? What are they eating? What are they consuming on the planet? It's yeah, there's no the Wi-Fi. <laughs> but you get it. Yeah. I, I get it. He yeah. says we're gonna roll that out basically. Yes. So what you can eat. I guess my question then is if the, the, this is the plan and we, we know where they're headed, and they're trying to do it through these. I, I get that the legacy media, may, we have these other systems coming up now, but do we think that they're going to be able to stop this? I think you can stop it in your own life. Like, that's it. Like, okay. like everybody, so, so look, when I first got into this and, yeah. I, and I got into it through 9-11, right. I always thought to myself, I want a real investigation. I want criminal prosecution. Mm -hmm. And then I want my constitutional republic back, right? Right. I'm done with that. I have no illusions that we're ever getting our constitutional republic back. Hate to tell everybody, you got a zombie puppet in office that's barely able not to poop himself for the eight hours a day he's awake, okay? That's where we're at, period. And the military industrial complex post-World War II has grown in power to unimaginable lengths. Mm -hmm. And bottom line, what I tell people now is stay human. Do the best you can to stay a human being. Do not take genetic editing. Yeah. Do not look for heroes or underground saviors. Look in the mirror every damn day and say, I'm going to be my own hero. Yeah. I'm going to make my own decisions. I'm going to go against the system that way. Yes. I'm going to not take their term of sustainability, but I'm going to go get a quarter or a half a cow. So I've got meat all year. And right. I'm going to make sure that we've got six months of food just in case rice and beans. You need to empower yourself yeah. as much as, as possible so that you and your family are protected from this agenda. Don't look to the magic screens or the guys in nice suits that are telling right. you great things sure. or that you know investigations are going to happen. That's all well and good, but right. I don't live in imagination land, okay? <laughs> and, and the bottom line is there's no way that we have actual free and fair elections anymore. There is no audit system and these Arguably people are going to haven't. take it. No, we don't have it. Yeah. These people are going to take it as far as we let them as yeah. individuals. And right. that's why it's so important to get away from any type of herd mentality mm -hmm. and be brave, be bold, be yourself. Yeah. I, I, I'll just really quickly add that I, I always say the antidote to the transhuman agenda is for us to be radically more human. <laughs> no. The antidote is to elect me Byzantine emperor of, the, of a new a new Byzantine there empire. There we go. I'm Thank you. Up. Do we get to wear headdresses? Can no, I wear a headdress? Only me. Oh, only geez, me. That's no good. <laughs> what are your thoughts on all of that? Um, 
yeah, I agree with Jason there that uh, I would move out of giant cities. I would yeah. get land. I would get the ability to be self-sufficient and sustaining as much as you can. Yeah. I mean, we never thought about being preppers and buying food until the last few years. We Now we have storable food. I mean, and, and which I did during COVID, you know, and yeah, exactly. we had toilet paper. And I used all the rice and the beans, you know what Why I mean? You, like, we did it. <laughs> do you think doing all of this stuff where you, you know, build as much just personal sustainability and sovereignty as possible will really be a bulwark against all of these uh, technocratic surveillance? It's the best, I don't you, think there is the any, best you can do. It's the I mean, best you yeah. can do. I don't think that there is, listen, we're always going to, good and evil is always going to exist. Right. There's no way you get, there's a vacuum for power. You get rid of yeah. one dictator, one power. There's always somebody willing to right. step up. Always. Sure. So it, it's one of those eternal battles. And I guess it does come back to the idea of what you believe in a human being is. Do mm -hmm. you believe that you're just some evolved automaton of zeros and ones that can mm -hmm. upload their consciousness into a mm -hmm. machine and merge with them? Right. Or do you think that there's a spiritual aspect to this? And I'm not telling I'm not a preacher. I'm not telling you what to believe, what mm -hmm. God to pray to, anything. I'm telling you right now as human beings, no matter how you uh, worship or how you act politically, you mm -hmm. are under attack. And these people Mm -hmm. want to change humanity in their own vision. And it is, it, it is one of a, unfortunately, as I will present today, a post-human future. I would yeah. add, too, that keep in mind that man has a spiritual component, man has a soul, and it's ironic because the World Economic Forum in, in, <laughs> individuals will tell you that you don't, right? So Klaus, Noah Yuval Harari are saying that man has no, con we now know there is no consciousness, there is a mind. But at the same time, you're being told that you can upload your mind, your consciousness to the computer, to the cloud, mm -hmm. and you live forever and all this nonsense, which is a, just basically a fake gospel yeah. uh, of immortality, which is a lie. And so the point is that that's a contradiction. You can't have your consciousness uploaded right. if you don't have consciousness, right? So they're lying to you. That's what I'm trying to say. Just don't listen to known liars. That's all. Yeah, absolutely. I'll ask you guys one more question. We'll wrap this up. You have brought up a really interesting point about the... Uh, it's, it's not just the money control, but that it really is all of these intelligence uh, agencies that are behind all of this. Do you think that there, uh, both of you probably will have really interesting things to say about this, but do you think that there is a way that they are, uh, how are they driving those narratives through, and do you think people are aware of it? We, I think we, we uh, know that they're driving listen, the narrative. Do you think people are aware? I think that of some what, people are somewhat yeah. aware that the narrative is being controlled. Obviously, yeah. the Twitter files have helped with that, but anybody that was yeah. paying attention knew that big tech had already partnered with the government and authoritative right. sources. They knew that YouTube had partnered with Vox. They knew mm -hmm. that the World Health Organization was right around the corner. And we knew because we got strikes and banned and deplatformed. Right? Well, they put out press releases. I, know. I watched right. videos from Vox where they were telling you they were the authoritative source yeah. with YouTube. So yeah. we knew all of this was coming, right. right? The way they've been able to build these narratives are to build bureaucracies outside mm -hmm. of prosecution. Mm -hmm. So post 9-11, you don't just get the Patriot Act. You get the Department of Homeland yeah. Security, little Deutschland in your life, everybody. But yeah. that's not enough. You know, via the Homeland Security, let's open up these fusion centers. And then okay. we'll put out reports like the MIAC report and others. And now we're going to build on the fusion centers. And we're going to have a signature reduction program that nobody knows about and nobody talks about. It's not called signature reduction. It's an art form that is referred to as signature reduction. We're gonna take those people, we're gonna make false identities both online and in person, and we are going to put them in the most influential places in this country and the world, and they are a force officially. 60,000 people strong that we know about. Think about that number. We got 50 states. You yeah. divvy them up evenly, which you wouldn't do, but if you did, that right. would still be more than 10,000, or I'm sorry, uh, uh, yeah, what is it? No, 1,000 people in each state. More than a thousand people in each state working those things. You only need one or two people in a company, corporation, a law enforcement office to really disrupt it and push an agenda. Right. And that's exactly what they've done. And I encourage everybody to go read for themselves about America's secret military and signature reduction. It is essential. Wasn't yeah. that was also uh, not just in the U.S. too? Wasn't it like sixty thousand people everywhere? Yes, it's yeah, like yeah. it's, it's, it's in like like in companies and foreign lands. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah, yes, but it's foreign and domestic, in person and not, 
And it, what's really interesting is the author actually follows around one of the in-person people. Yeah. And they're driving around a car that doesn't have a real license plate. And they've got an identity that isn't theirs. And the identity they're using with the journalist isn't theirs. And they've got wow. prosthetics. And they have Pretend access. Yeah, you should. The to thing be with Mission the... Impossible, like, right? E. Howard Hunt, right? Like, well, I'll tell you what. With, one like, of the... the fake skin, Exactly. Right? One of the big pieces of tech that they showed that was almost unbelievable to me is I got a sweaty hand right here. Okay? They had a skin-tight skin glove yeah. in the article that goes over your skin, can have anybody's biometric data printed on it. So you think your fingerprints are great? Well, if law enforcement has them, they have the ability to reprint them. And on top of that, it emits human oils. So yeah, if that you was dumb enough to put yourself in a 23andMe database or... You're just of interest. It's pretty easy to get a hold of somebody's DNA. Yeah. Now you're talking Judge Dredd style setup, prosecution, especially in the days of the deep fake, where people wouldn't think twice that you were a criminal and you could be set up. And that's a very, very frightening aspect as well. Yeah, that, that one was so creepy, <laughs> for sure. Um, you have anything you want to add to that? No. Great, yeah. Nice. Yeah. No, that's crazy. So creepy. Well, I, I think we, we covered a lot. We can wrap this up. So thank you so much. Tell everybody where they can find you and your work and all that good stuff. I am on Rockfin Rumble YouTube. I do a daily show for the uh, Red Voice Media, Monday through Thursday, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Uh, Eastern Time. And I'm a documentary filmmaker that gives away all of his documentary films. Loose Change, <laughs> Final Cut, Fabled Enemies, Invisible Empire, New World Order to Find, and Shade the Motion Picture. Please watch them and share them. Uh, I think they're important. Yeah, I agree. Uh, my website is jaysanalysis.com. We have a vast archive of lectures, summaries of geopolitical texts, 50 or 60 of them now. Uh, we do debates, we do comedy, we do live events. We'll be in Austin February 11th doing a big live event with the philosopher of comedy, B.G. Cumby. Um, we do Rockfin, we do uh, Twitter, all those things. Um, i got to remember everything to plug. Um, I'm sponsored by Chalk.com. Use the promo code J50. You get 50% off anything at Chalk.com. Go to... Uh, Autonomy University, you get my new philosophy course together with mm -hmm. Richard Grove and Trajan Hope. Uh, shout out to Grand Theft World. So that's everything I can think of. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thank you guys both so much for being here. And uh, maybe this will show you that you can have great personalities and great information, but ultimately you should decide for yourself. So thank you so much for being here. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.